Manage your oil field operations from anywhere with rigor online or offline. Whether it's scheduling and dispatching jobs, tracking employee hours, managing equipment rentals, or inspections and maintenance, you can create, review, approve, and upload all types of field tickets and agreements securely from any device. Plus, you can generate invoices same day and run powerful operation management dashboards on your desktop or phone. No paper, no errors, no headaches. Learn more at rigor.us. Link is in the show notes. Welcome to the Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast, where every week your hosts, Mark LaCour and Matt Bertram, share proven strategies and real-world tactics to help you connect with customers and close more deals. Let's do this. Welcome back, everybody. And Matt, we didn't get a review today, so we don't have any reviews to read. I'm telling you, come on, people. If you like the show, leave us a review. If you don't like it, leave us a review and tell us what we need to change. Today's topic is something that's very important, something Matt is an expert at, and that's keyword research and how to rank in Google. Now, there's a second part, so our next show after this will be on competitive research. But for now, we're just going to talk about the basics on how do you rank in Google. Yeah, Mark kept telling me, no, we need to save that topic. We need to slow down. We need to start here. And I'm going to do my best to try to do that. And Matt's suffering a little bit. He's sick, so he's a trooper and showed up. So his voice sounds a little different. That's why it wasn't that he was up too late last night. So I have a little bit of experience, Matt, ranking with stuff. For my old market research company, I actually drove almost all of our businesses ranking for things like oil and gas sales experts. Let me rattle off what I think the basics are, and then you come back and correct me because you're the experts, not me. But if you're in the oil and gas patch and you're trying to rank for whatever you sell or rank for the problems that your customers are looking for, you got to start with the basics, which is a website that Google can read. WordPress is one of the most really common formats for websites. Even CNN uses WordPress. And besides all those other attributes, it's a very easy website for Google to read. Then the next thing is you need to learn how to develop a little bit of keyword research. And if you don't know what a keyword is, it's literally what do people search to find you? So in Matt and I's case, if somebody's looking for a podcast on how to sell to oil and gas, hopefully this podcast comes up first. But that would be the phrase that Matt and I would intentionally try to rank for. Then we would have to develop content around that. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And then you'd want to optimize that content so that it makes it easy for Google to understand what you're saying, because Google's always going to try to give search results the answer that is the best fit. And then there's little things you can do to show Google that it's an important and vital piece of content, such as backlinks. So that's what I think of as the fundamentals, Matt. Let's go ahead and let you jump in and kind of break that down. Yeah. So a little bit of trivia, WordPress is one of the most, if not the most used platform. A lot of Fortune 500 companies, a lot of $100 million plus companies I've seen have moved to it. Now it is open source and a lot of times they like to use platforms that they can point the finger at whoever owns the software right on the licensing and say, hey, fix this. I've seen a shift away from that, but an interesting piece of trivia related to that, a guy by the name of Matt, who actually grew up here in Houston, invented it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a long, long time, but he was dating one of my friends like years ago. And so he doesn't live here anymore, but he would come back and visit her. So the thing about Google and WordPress and the reason why people, if they're doing SEO, tend to gravitate to WordPress is one, you know, it's got a huge ecosystem like Apple and iTunes and all that kind of thing. But also one of the things that people don't know is those teams have some kind of deal or work together where WordPress sites get indexed faster. 
Okay. And if you're going to change in the rankings, whatever you're looking at is static. It's a static database. Getting indexed faster is really advantageous if you're trying to to move the needle. There's a lot of reasons behind why you want to consider WordPress and that ecosystem is quite big and there's a lot of security and there's workarounds with e-commerce and stuff like that. But to dive into the topic today, I Mark, even like to back up a little bit more and say, it's not about keywords, okay? Or that's not where you start your search. You start with topics, okay? And so like using Google Trends, for example, you can figure out whatever the topic is, and it gives you a variety of different keywords that are all in the same, I call it a theme, all the kind of same vertical. And so you get better ideas before you start that process. Also, if your company's big enough, like Exxon is maybe buying Pioneer or whatever, if you're in the news, if you're big enough like that, you can actually see trends for your company name if you're big enough. And I use a lot of trends for seasonality. How are we doing versus like whether the trends are, when are the spikes? Because it's not just steady, hey, I need 25 leads a month, every month, no matter what. There's more factors that maybe go into it. The thing I see with B2B in the data is they tend to be best in January. Like the most deals, the most activity seems to happen with B2B companies in January. But Google Trends is free. You can go search it. There's a lot of tools that you can play with. You can use it for PR purposes along with like Google Alerts and stuff like that. All right. So now that you know that there's a topic and then you select keywords inside that topic, now you can use different tools. People that have sponsored my other podcast, Ahrefs, SEMrush, Ubersuggestant sponsored my podcast. Neil Patel bought that. Keywords everywhere. If you just search like keyword research tools, there's tons of them. The one that you can start with, the one that's absolutely free, that gives you the best data potentially is Google Keyword Planner or Google AdWords Planner, I think. Now, the only caveat, okay, with Google AdWords Planner is they only give you the search terms that are related to AdWords because they want you to bid. So if there's little like, quote unquote, honey holes where no one's bidding on and there's opportunity for search, they're not going to show you that because they only want to show you, hey, here's what people are bidding on. Here's the bid data because that's their business model, right? They want you to bid on that through search marketing. I think that's really important to understand, but I think starting with Google Trends, right? Because, I mean, we're using the Google database, mostly 98% all searches or whatever. Well, things starting to elbow in, I would say, but you want to start with Google Trends and then Google Keyword Planner, both free tools. And Matt, talk a little bit about the ability to rank for keywords. So there's certain things, in my case, if I want it to rank for Internet of Things, there's just no way. No matter what I did, there's no way. Google sees Microsoft as the more of an expert on that, and they're going to give Microsoft the organic search engine rankings. However, if I intentionally misspelled it as called Internet of Things, I could rank for that. And the reason is that there's not as much search traffic around that and there's not as much domain expertise around that misspell. So talk a little bit about, because what I don't want people to do is try to rank for something that there's just no way they can rank for no matter what they do. Well, yeah, I think that it's important to understand there's something called seed terms, like the most general parent topic terms. Those are typically the most difficult because they're non-specific, and it's like one word or two word or something like that. The majority of the searches, 75% of all searches are actually new searches to Google and they're all long tail because everybody's learning how to use search engines differently and voice search is really changing things. And okay, you have your topic and here's the thing you need to rank in the top 100 for your topic to qualify 
for all the long tail key phrases. So it is an important focus, but that general topic, if you think about the customer journey, it's rarely going to lead to a conversion. Okay. Like it's very top of the funnel and it's not that important. You got to rank for it top 100. But after that, really it's the long tail key phrases of where they're at in the buying cycle that they want to rank for. And there's different keyword difficulties based on how many callbacks. So I'll give you example. You can rank and everybody's like, oh, there's like spammy stuff that's ranking and this, that. Well, a lot of times that stuff's ranking because Google has nothing else to serve. Okay. So if someone's optimizing and building pages or whatever, I'm not suggesting do this for misspellings, like common misspellings, for example, in Houston, sugar land, sugar land, right? Like they're a little bit different. There's one right way to spell it, but people might optimize for the other way because that's how people might be searching for it. And that's going to be less competitive. And so if you're doing some kind of spammy tactic that the algorithms don't catch. So how it works, this is really important. I have a really good diagram. If you go to our site, I don't know what page it's on, but think about a standard deviation. Okay. Think about a formula for each keyword combination. There's a perfect score. It's mathematical. I don't know what it is. Every single search, if you put, let's say sugar, when we use sugar land at the front, at the back, like phrase match, is it part of a lot, like every single combination you can think of what you would search in Google, there's actually a perfect result. That's why it's very hard to know what you're really ranking for because you search this way, you change one word, and then you don't show up, right? What your goal is, is try to kind of shotgun, hit as many terms as you can with one page that answers the most questions without watering down what you're doing. I mean, that's the best analogy I can give in a really short amount of time because there's 200 plus different ranking factors. But essentially, you need to know that, yeah, the reason that spammy page may rank because Google hasn't found it one, because a lot of this is algorithmic. And they might not be outside the standard deviation to raise red flags as far as their like, quote unquote, spam score is. And there's not a lot of people that might be building the page wrong or optimizing for that word. So Google's going to serve whatever it is. Like I do some marketing for vacation companies in the islands. And I can tell you there's one island I work with. There's literally like three content producers on the whole island that are consistently pushing out content and they rank in the top search results. Well, it's very easy to rank for terms related to that because you only have three publishers that are really putting out any kind of content. So you put out mediocre content, it's going to rank first page without any real effort or even SEO because Google has nothing else to serve. So it's like, here you go. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. But let me bring you back to more of an entry level because a lot of our listeners really have never played around with this. So in the oil and gas industry, there's something called a sucker rod. A sucker rod is a part that a lot of companies make and sell. If you search for a sucker rod right now on Google, Weatherford comes up first, but not because Weatherford's trying to rank for that. To Matt's point, that's Google's best guess at who should come up. When you read the search in results, you can tell that Weatherford did not optimize for that and that it's just Google's best guess because nobody else is trying it. Now, let me tell you where the value is in this. If you make or sell sucker rods and you intentionally produce good content around sucker rods, you're going to outrank Weatherford. And so when somebody searches for sucker rods online, you will come up first, even if you're a million times smaller than Weatherford. And Mark, let me give you a caveat too. Depending on what you were searching for previously in that search, something might other come up for sucker rods, depending on what your previous searches were, because Google's trying to look at what are you actually looking for? So 
Everything's personalized. <laughs> My favorite story about that is I was searching for this vehicle called a Sprinter that Mercedes used to make. That's a commercial van. Mm-hmm. And don't you know there's Sprinter porn out there? The first thing that popped up was Sprinter porn, right? So to Matt's point, be careful. The other thing that you touched on that I want to revisit that's super important is Matt talked about the in the key phrases, the order of the words. If you notice, almost all of our podcasts start with oil and gas. That's not an accident. That's so we intentionally rank for oil and gas podcasts. So this one's called the Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast. We did the oil and gas in the name on purpose so that we rank higher for stuff. All right, Matt, you know, if you're an oil and gas company, if you're a marketing person and you've been tasked to try to sell valves in this industry, I can tell you right now, nobody's intentionally trying to rank for valves. So it would be relatively easy for you to rank for something like a one-inch ball valve or a gate valve or whatever. What would be the process? What would a marketing person need to know that's never done this before? First, one of the things that you said that's really important is putting oil and gas at the front of the phrase. Anything that's more towards the front, just like in a paragraph, if you're writing, like what's the most important thing? It's the title, right? It's the first paragraph. It's the first sentence. It's the first word. Like you're going to lose people over time. But also remember, engineers built this algorithm, all these algorithms, and they have to categorize it. So if you put oil and gas first and then podcast second, you're going, okay, put me in the oil and gas category and then put me in podcast category. Or if you said podcast and oil and gas, okay, throw me in all the different podcasts and then show me oil and gas. So what could happen is your search results could be a bunch of different podcasts or your results could be a bunch of different oil and gas terms based on where that keyword is on how Google does that. Ask your question again. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. So if I'm a marketing person and I work for a company in oil and gas that sells valves, I know from experience that nobody's intentionally putting out content to rank for say a one inch ball valve. So if you're a marketing person and you want to rank so that when people search for one-inch ball valve, they see your company first, what would be the process? Again, we're going to try not to go into competitive research, but what I would tell you is, remember, I just said there's certain callbacks. There's a certain amount of inventory that Google can serve. The goal for Google is to serve the absolute best content that answers the best question. So a lot of this actually comes into why do you want to rank for ball valves? There's four different kinds of searches. Like, are you trying to get to a ball valve company? Probably not. You're trying to educate somebody on ball valves? Maybe. You're trying to share commercial terms? Yes. Are you trying to get transactional terms? Are they trying to buy online or you want them to call you? So you want to understand what is the intent of the page or the content you're going to create for? What is it going to do? What is the purpose of that content is absolute the first thing and go, what questions... If someone searches for XYZ, if we want to show up for this, what questions do we need to answer as fully as possible, more fully than anybody else that's put that information out on the web? And I want to stop you right there. Marketing people, this is why it's important that you talk to your salespeople. Your sales team, if you sell one-inch ball valves, has heard the same 20 questions over and over and over again. And I promise you, those questions are very close, if not 100% a match to what people search for that actually need that valve. So by understanding what the questions are your sales teams ask, it then helps you develop the content. The keyword doesn't matter as much anymore. Does that make sense? Pages now rank with the keyword not even on the page. The algorithms have gotten so smart with, it's called like semantic language or semantic SEO. Like there's a lot of things you have to do 
from like schema markup, like letting Google know what this is about. Like you're trying to build trust with the search and you're trying to create signals, but you're trying to answer intent. You're not trying to actually rank for a keyword. And it's very hard to rank for a keyword because guess what? Like everybody thinks you're trying to rank for that head term or whatever it is. That is like the worst approach and you're going to spend a ton of money. Now there's different things you can do is like, how competitive is this term? I think again, with voice search happening, it's more about answering a question. And one of the big things too, that a lot of people don't do, and there's a lot of bad information out there, but they don't want to link out to anybody. You want to link out to credible resources that support your viewpoint and also will help that person make the decision. Now, not redirect them to another page, maybe open up another window, but Google's going to be like, hey, if they ask this question, boom, 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 they look at all the links, they look at all the content, they see the call to action. Hey, does this answer the question and do people take action? And we're going to look at, like, think about everybody using Chrome browser. I'm using Chrome browser. Why do they give that away free? They want to see what you do after you leave the search. And it's all for like advertising and usability and and all kinds of those purposes. Well, again, it goes back to intent, not keywords. So back to our example where a marketing company is trying to rank for one-inch ball valves and they're trying to find people that want to buy them. I would think one of the easiest things for you to do would be to talk to your sales team, gather up those questions, those 20 questions that people ask about one-inch ball valves, and then do a Q&A piece of content. So it literally write out a Q&A document. In that document, you would mention one-inch ball valves where it made sense. You don't want to keyword stuff. You just want to make it where it's easy to read. Now, to Matt's point about external links, one of the first things I would do is link back to Wikipedia on what a one-inch ball valve actually is. I would put the link on the name one-inch ball valve. In my experience, Google sees that as you being helpful instead of you trying to control everything. And the more helpful you're trying to be, and the better you answer that question, where can I buy one-inch ball valves, the more likely you are to rank organically. So again, this is going to be something we're going to save for the insider group, and it's a lot easier to explain with a white paper, but where the links get placed, where you link out to, there's mathematical formulas, there's patents that are public information that you can look at. Like you can go to Google patents and you can look some of this stuff up where the anchor text is, what the anchor text says, how close it is to other words. Like there's so many factors. Like also you were talking about podcasts, like leaving us a review, say that we're personable in the review because Google looks at sediment too, like positive, negative, use some, is it adjectives? I have this right. Like basically to describe things in a positive light, easy to explain. Like these are positive terms, right? Hard to navigate for the website. Like these are negative terms. Google's looking at this because they want to serve the best user experience. I would also say the thing that people miss the most is they're maybe trying to like answering the questions is like mid funnel. A lot of people go after informational top of the funnel. People go back to a website or a page or whatever, like either they convert the first day or they convert on like day 10 or whatever. They go back a lot of times before they buy, depending on what your sales cycle is. If you're trying to sell ball valves, you should probably use the word shop. You should probably use the word buy. People forget to do this. Like that's where someone is at the bottom of the funnel. I want to buy ball valves. I want to shop for ball valves. Now, not everybody searches that way, but do you see how that sends a signal to Google that what this page is about? Like this is about, we're selling these. And let me tell you a tool that I use that helps with all the math. It's a plugin for WordPress called Yoast, SEO Yoast. 
And what it does is it basically red light, yellow light, green light. It will tell you if your content's good. If it sucks, it will tell you if you have enough internal links or external links. It will tell you if the key phrase is mentioned enough places. And the thing I love about Yoast, it's a bunch of Google engineers or former Google engineers that are constantly trying to reverse engineer the algorithm. And then Google's engineers are constantly trying to beat Yoast and re-engineer the algorithms. So it's like this mini warfare over understanding what the algorithms are. And the Yoast guys don't get it 100% right. They never do, but they get it close. But it's an easy tool if you're creating content to help write it in a way that you will rank for stuff. Now, Matt, here's a question I've been struggling with. So in the old days, the way I would create that content is I'd shoot a video, I'd have the video transcribed, and then I would drop it into Yoast and I would let Yoast help me rewrite it. So the end product was a video and a bunch of text and the text did not match up to the video 100% because the way you read is different than the way you speak. And if I picked a long tail key phrase that wasn't extremely popular, I would rank for stuff organically. Now, here's my question. I think now Google understands audio. So in that same scenario, I'm wondering now if I even need to write the text. And I'm wondering if just the video itself would rank, because I think Google now can understand what the video is saying. Well, yeah. So there's a couple of things. Typically, when you're selling a product or a service, it's different. Google looks for different kind of things that they're checking off. Certainly, the worst thing that people do is they use stock imagery from like if they're a distributor, the person that's getting credit for those images are whoever put them online first and Google's crediting them. So you're not getting any credit for any new images. So you want to take real images in the field, whatever. You want to have reviews. You want to have, okay, the specs, right? You want to have the specs, but you want to also have like use cases and answer some of these things and things you're talking about in a video is unique content is really helpful. Now to your point of transcriptions, Google actually does not like transcriptions because if you're watching a video versus reading the text, it's different and it's harder to do. You want to summarize maybe what it is and you can use some AI to say, hey, summarize this for me and Google will like that and the video is unique. Again, to outrank somebody else, and this is something really, really important that we haven't talked about, so I'm glad I just thought about it. Most of the traffic, and the reason why people say that SEO is investment and takes so long, is if you are not really in the like first position or second or third, you're like getting no traffic, almost no traffic. You're getting like a lot of spam or you're not getting anything. So you're like, SEO doesn't work. Now, if you get in the first position, okay, the leads just start flowing in, okay? They just start flowing in. Now, to be in the first position, you say, well, I need to do all these things. You need to do all these things until you beat everybody else and you create better content and you're the absolute best callback for that term. And then you're in the first position. And then guess what? If people are loving your stuff and using it the right way, you stay in that position. Unless somebody does something else to beat you or a Google algorithm does something and you're doing something that is not good and Google picks that up. But Google is trying to serve the absolute best search result for that intent of that search and you need to be number one. Okay. And you're not going to just organically be number one. You have to optimize search engine optimization. You are optimizing for a keyword. Now you can't get outside the standard deviation. You can't manipulate the search engines, but you can certainly say, Hey, this is the best content sending Google the signal saying, this is why we're the best. And then Google wants to justify that with user interaction data. Okay. User interaction data, like, I don't know what that exactly means, but it could be the dwell time on the page. It could be click throughs. I believe it's like all this stuff, but they say that this stuff doesn't matter. And that's why analytics, putting some kind of analytics on your site is really, really helpful, whether it be heat mapping, 
what pages are converting, Google Analytics, GA4. I'm not a big fan of GA4. I do not like it. Maybe I just have to get used to it more. I like the old analytics. I thought there was a lot more data. I'm looking at even other options right now. We've actually just installed Microsoft Clarity on a number of our sites because I want to see user interactions, heat mapping, all that kind of stuff. Because it's not that simple. It's not just keyword research anymore, Mark. It's Google's job is to serve the, well, they want to get you to click on ads, but they want to give you the best information possible. All these factors are trying to do that. And that's what you should be trying to do too. If you provide the most, again, informational, transactional could be totally different. Now, guess what? If you have a page that ranks for informational and page for transactional, you could rank twice in the search results, depending on what that search is. You want to target what you're trying to do. And that takes a lot of thought on the front end. Now there's a lot of little formulas and things that you understand. And that's why people can re-optimize pages. But again, when they re-optimize for one page, it's kind of like you're hitting X number of terms, but you change one thing and you could lose a term and you could gain some more terms. So it's really testing and iterations and optimization to figure out the right combination for you. And not all keywords produce great leads. And I'll tell you, even when we talk about these keyword research tools, maybe we would get more into the competitive research. They are not accurate. Okay. They're an estimate. You got to like triangulate the only real good data even better than analytics is search console because analytics only, again, I'm going deep. I'm sorry, but analytics, if the pixel doesn't fire, they don't show that visitor. So if your page loads slow and you're looking at analytics and you're like, yeah, I'm like my traffic's way down. Well, what could be happening if you look in search console is you're getting the traffic and they're bouncing so quick, the pixel's not firing because the page is not loading. Yeah, and I want to kind of pull you back a little bit I know. very deep there. So if you're a marketing person, only gas, you've never even worked with SEO, do a little bit of research. Everything Matt just rattled off is 100% true. But I'm telling you from experience, almost nobody in marketing oil and gas is intentionally putting content out there to rank for stuff. So for certain things, you actually can outrank much bigger companies. It's just work. It's just understand how it works. Now, understand this as well. Once you figure it out this year in 2023, it won't work the same in 2024. It is constantly changing. And Matt, I want to give some examples so people can go see. So for me, everybody, go check out, just search for oil and gas sales experts. And you'll see me organically on that first page. That's a couple of blog posts I wrote intentionally wanting to rank for that for MotorPoint. Go to the blog and you can see where the keywords are, where the phrases are in the H2 headings. You can see the backlinks. Same way, check out Google selling to oil and gas using podcasts. I rank number one for that organically. And when you see the post, you can see how I intentionally try to be helpful, informative. And once again, I use the tool SEO Yoast. Matt, I know you rank for all kinds of stuff organically. Give the audience one or two search terms for them to search for so they can see how y'all did it as well. Well, I mean, if you search for anything, digital marketing agency, SEO, whatever, I'm showing up in the maps a lot for a lot of different terms. I'm going after a lot of different industries, so I'm ranking niche down. But certainly, I think if you search anything like oil and gas, well, oil and gas marketing is like people are selling petroleum. That's not what I'm doing. But I wrote an article on Search Engine Journal that ranks really, really well for anything oil and gas kind of marketing related. But the thing about oil and gas, right, is like, it's not just oil and gas, it's all these other terms. Like you don't say you're an oil and gas person necessarily. You might say, hey, I work in midstream or I work in downstream, I work in upstream or EMP or I work with petrochemical or like, you know what I mean? Like, so oil and gas is like so broad. What I wanted to say before we leave, because I think it's super important is to really just kind of touch on AI really quickly. Now, Google's guidelines 
I think they've kind of waved the light flag and said, okay, we're not going to disallow AI content, but they just released a EAT update, expertise, authoritative trust, and then right after that, a helpful content update. What I would tell you is if you're writing stuff and it's all AI generated, you're going to see or you've seen recently your stuff tank. Because if it's all AI generated, there's no opinion in it. It's what everybody else knows. There's content farms and factories out there producing content 24-7. It's not going to work forever. you got to add your expertise to it. Also, if you write anything, now don't put in the byline like, hey, written by AI, but you need to maybe put a source at the bottom like, hey, this was help written by, like you need to be transparent to build trust. And I'm just telling you, people are pushing out a bunch of AI content. Guess what? It's not working. The update happened, boom, because was it better than what's out there? But now it's getting flooded. The market's getting flooded with all this AI content. Well, it's going to write very similar stuff. So how are you going to be different? How are you going to be one step above it? How are you going to provide that expert level content? I would tell you folks, you missed the AI chance. So for a little while, I was using AI to write content and it would rank really high. And as Matt said, Google figured out that everybody was doing that and they killed it. In fact, I believe now that if you use AI and you don't edit the AI output and you post it, Google's going to intentionally punish you and stick it on page 1,367,000, right? And bury you. So there's tokens. So copying and pasting stuff, there's a token and they can match it. Everything that's written by AI, they're using APIs to go, hey, this exact thing was written, boom. Okay, we're not going to give this value. All right, audience, I know we're all over the place, but I'm telling you, if you work in oil and gas, learn SEO. It can help you rank and help drive sales. And I know each every one of you has to justify a marketing budget. This is one of those ways that you can show that your work drove sales. And it's a very easy thing to track down so that you can justify those budgets out there. Uh, we're getting to more of this, like I said, so our next episodes could actually be sort of along the same lines, but uh, competitive research newsletter. We launched our new Sunday update, Matt. It's been five weeks. We went from zero to 20,000 subscribers in five weeks, which is incredible, which means some of y'all must like the damn thing. The link's in the show notes. Matt, we have recipes. We have a 100-year-old company that's been catering oil and gas for 100 years. They're sharing their recipes in there. We have behind-the-scenes look at OGGN and some of the crazy stuff that we go through. We have coupons to give you discounts on everything from exotic hunting to tools that you need in the oil and gas industry. So uh, link's in the show note check out it goes out every sunday also our events newsletters also in the links in the show notes especially if you're in sales and marketing it's a nice tool to have where we take all the oil and gas events that are going on all over the world put it in your inbox once a month so you can figure out if you want to go to any of these conferences or expos matt and i all our social links are in the show notes we are working very hard on our insiders group it's coming this is how we do the linkedin fail or tip of the week i actually don't have one do you Well, I can just give you a general tip and you just shared it. Okay. Having a (laughs) newsletter or working on email marketing in some way of really permission-based marketing, right? They give you your information, not cold outreach or anything like that, but is a really, really important because not everybody is ready to buy as soon as you talk to them or the first time you talk to them. Only about 3% of people are typically ready to buy. So you're hunting for a needle in a haystack. And SEO can hit upper funnel, mid funnel, lower funnel and help support that but it's one tool in the tool belt. And email marketing and newsletters and creating those pens and pads touch points, right, for all the salespeople out there to stay top of mind is really, really important because if they are getting your newsletter once a week, once a month, whatever it is, once a day, if you're really connected and you have a strong audience, when they're ready to buy, they will engage you and consider you. But if they've checked out your website, they've left, they've never come back, 
the chances that you're even going to be in the mix, you don't know that. And 75% of the sales process now is online. So you can't ignore this stuff and you should start developing your skill sets to leverage marketing and to leverage that in your sales and your sales cycles. So email All right, marketing. perfect way to get out of here. Remember folks, make a difference and not a sale. Check us out next week for another enriching and cheeky episode of Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.